Coming at you live from our culture's weird Greek mythology fetish of the mid-2000s, it's Cartoon Night in Canada. Hey, what you watching? Got a problem with cartoon? Night in Canada, a nostalgic journey to dig through decades of Canadian animation to find the good, the bad, and the just plain weird of cartoons. I am your co-host, Chris Lucy Antonio. And I am your co-host, Sylvie Kettles. And can I ask you a question, Sylvie? Yeah. When you were, uh, however old you were, uh, in the mid-2000s, did you have a Greek mythology phase? Was Did every kid go through a Greek mythology phase around this time? I did. Um, not to not to put too fine a point on it, but I was one of those DeviantArt kids who had like a stamp saying, I spend my school years at Hogwarts and my summers at Camp Half-Blood, like on my profile. You're just admitting this out. You're just speaking this into the world and letting everyone know. In the first minute of this episode. <laughs> and that's the worst thing you need to know about me. It's paying a target right on yourself and by extension the show and... Uh, <laughs> Creating all these awful assumptions about us and specifically you. Hey, but you know what that creates? Engagement. God, I hope not, because I don't want those people. <laughs> but if we look back to the mid-odds, as we were talking about before we started, our culture had this weird, inexplicable fixation on Greek mythology in our media, and it happened all at once across various media, television, movie, video games, literature. It was just in vogue. It was just fashionable and it was everywhere. And it wasn't like we were we had we were just waiting for the um for the copyright to end on Homer's Odyssey. Like, oh, he had a two thousand year uh insurance policy not insurance, if I get a policy out on this on this text. And it had just ended, and so everyone was scrambling to capitalize it on it. Yeah, it wasn't like one of those things, because these stories have existed for thousands of e upon thousands of years. But for whatever reason, just around this, this decade, we went hog wild for this shit. And like, we were just going over some examples, like the, the God of War franchise started in 2005, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, like that young adult series started in 2005. Uh, numerous movies, like uh, Troy was around 2004, 300 was around 2006. Fate Stay Night. Fate Stay Night, the anime series, it, it happened around the exact same time. It, we, we just couldn't get enough of rehashing these sword and sandal warrior and god stories from from the isles of greek and we were, we were just really why? really horny for gods at the time at, at least that was forward facing with our culture because we always have been but now in in 2005 like around that era of the, the we just crested with that we just hit a fever pitch of yeah but what if there was more than hercules because, like, you yeah, can say, yeah, I mean, you can like, make an argument, like, that her the character Heracles, uh, 
Hercules has been super popular for decades. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, played him in the 80s, 90s. That would actually be uh, like it was Hercules in New York. And I want to say that's uh, oh, you're just putting me on the spot like that. Uh, 69. That was 1969. Nice. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't call that the impetus. That's specific it. fixation. No, no, no. Because that is a specific fixation, not only with that character, but the sword and sandal kind of filmmaking that was around like between like 55 and 67 because like i like the first Her- hercules were like italian films yeah and and then a bunch of them started underperforming as all, as they all do they run their course uh and we're we still occasionally get uh a greek mythology thing in today's uh in like 2020 but it's there wasn't it wasn't so saturated like hades town came out in 2016 and that's the Orpheus, orpheus and eurydice myth um I'm struggling to think of... Well, there was a going to be a new Percy Jackson uh, adaptation in the works. I heard something about that like two years ago, and then I've never heard of it since. No, that's good. But e- even so, like we had... Uh, uh, we, we had that Hercules in 2014. We had... Uh, like even Wonder Woman technically counts, even though it's oh, part yeah. of the DC universe. So yeah, it was, uh, it was always prominent, but it reached a... Again, as we said, a fever pitch, a, a crest of that wave in 2005. And among that wave was the subject of today's episode. So this week we are taking a look at Class of the Titans. It was a series created by Chris Bartleman and Michael LaHaye, and it was a co-production of Vancouver's Studio B and Nelvana Productions. Bartleman was a co-founder of that studio, uh, Vancouver Studio B, by the way, with Blair Peters. The show aired on television between December of 2005 and June of 2008 for two seasons. For our episode, we watched the special three-part series premiere, Chaos 101, because we felt it'd be best since this is a continued story through the 52 episodes that were produced, it would be good to start with the origin of it all and see where we are. But before that, do you have any history with this show, Sylvie? Again, this is a Teletoon show, and I was not aware that that was a channel that I could access until I was like 14. Fair enough. Uh, So as a resident Teletoon person on this podcast, I would say that I did not have any affiliation uh, or any history of watching the show. It was always something I was aware of because it was well advertised at the time. And it's it, it looked like an interesting show because it was more action adventure than than like comedy that was really prevalent at the time. But for children's entertainment, at least. But yeah, I have no memory of it uh, beyond just knowing what it was and associating it with that weird cultural fixation on Greek mythology at the time. Yeah, so I, I chose this one specifically because I saw the the uh, series description and I was a Percy Jackson kid right at this time. And so I was like, fuck it. We absolutely have to talk about this show. It is going to be my trash. Oops, I was right. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty close, like concept wise, in that here are regular teenagers and out of nowhere, they realize that they have a 
spiritual significant connection to the Greek uh, warriors and adventurers of old. Well, it's not just a spiritual connection. In both cases, it's a literal biological connection. That's hilarious. Yeah, so the idea is that the, the show stars seven uh, main characters who form this kind of protection squad against Cronus, the evil god of time or whatever. I didn't do yeah. much research. I don't know. I don't know shit about Greek mythology. Let's get that right out of the way. Cronus was... Okay, wait. I cannot remember if he was actually a god or if he was a titan. Yes, no, he's a titan. He is uh, the youngest of uh, Uranus's sons or children. No, see, actually, it's good to get or... this out of the way because uh, we both, myself and you, aren't very knowledgeable about Greek mythology. And also, this show doesn't teach you shit about Greek mythology. Okay, I was knowledgeable when I was 12. <laughs> so, like, yeah, don't, don't get on a high horse about it. It's like, because you're just going to get shit wrong. So, yeah, as I was saying, it's uh, this group of seven who are all direct descendants of, of Greek heroes. And they are in, at the charge of the gods who have, okay, I'm, I'm just, my, my, already my brain is starting to fry. Uh, they have relocated from Mount Olympus to a city in Canada called New Olympia, and they are taking these like seven 16-year-olds out of their lives to protect the world against Cronus and train at a school. Except for Harry, okay? I should, because I, I watched more than Chris did. Um, but uh, Harry, uh, obviously the big strong guy, uh, descended from Hercules, still visits his grandmother all the time, which I think is hilarious. That they just all the other kids are like, oh no, I've been torn from my home. And Harry's like, what up, Grandma? I'm here to do some chores for you. So you can see why this would uh like like this is a premise that was so easy to sell to like the Teletoon network execs. It's just every couple of weeks we'll introduce a new like every episode we'll introduce a new character figure from Greek mythology as either an ally or an enemy, and the scripts write themselves from there. Yeah, like even if they just have to, re even if they're just fully retelling a myth, and at some point, uh, a few characters even will make jokes about like, oh, thank goodness history is repeating itself because they have just literally gone over the myth again. Can I just say, though, like to double back to the New Olympia or New Olympus? It's New Olympia. It's, okay, New Olympia. It's located somewhere in Canada. So Hermes comes to collect the teens, tell them they're heroes, and take them to New Olympia. But, like, the arrival to New Olympia is treated as, like, this really magical, like, oh, now you are somewhere that is not necessarily known to the outside world. So I thought that, like, maybe the city itself is sort of the realm of the gods and everyone there was just aware of it. I was wrong, like, the gods are a secret within this apparently secret city. Yeah, they're just squatting there. Yeah, they're just hiding in a janitor's closet. The The Greek gods of uh, lore have are just bumming it in nowhere urban Canada. Which is that, That's similar. what the series is about. Yeah, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, kind of... Uh, appropriate to Greek mythology uh, taking it as its inspiration these seven characters are brought together because of a prophecy because uh, like was it like New Year 2005 
according to the show's premise, the star, the, the planets align and that allows Cronus to be freed from his uh, prison in Hades uh, in the underworld. Tartarus. Tartarus. See, look, we don't know shit. I do know shit uh, because Hades is just the underworld at large. Uh, and then from there are all of the different kinds of afterlives. Hades is like the waiting room. Oh, so it's that Beetlejuice gag. Yeah. Okay. Hades the god is a fucking exhausted bureaucrat of death, and no one can convince me otherwise. Nah, that's fair. So yeah, we got these seven uh, attractive teens all brought together by the gods who, again, squatting in urban Canada. <laughs> To fight against Cronus, who has been freed from Tartarus and is now running amok every week with a new, with a new ancient Greek beast or god or demon or what have you. Demigods. Whatever he's got on the roster. Greek mythology just has a lot of shit to choose from for its, like... I don't know. What are you feeling this way? You want them to be being chased by something? We've got fucking minotaurs. Do you want them to be doing the chasing? We've got harpies. Yeah, like that's what that was like the appeal of uh, the God of War series, which started the same year as like, hey, that's a really cool uh, beast from Greek mythology. How do I kill it? Exactly. And and, and that's and, and that's what you get out of this is just like these re- repetitive adventures of these seven. One learning how to. I guess accept their destinies, their destinies as descendants of these uh, highly statured Greek heroes of lore, but also them just facing off against all of your favorite Greek mythology beasties and stuff. So yeah, I can understand why this would be super popular and why Net, uh, Talton would just sign right off on it, but it yeah it didn't last too long. I get, yeah, I guess it just didn't have the, I, I don't even want to say it didn't have the appeal that they thought it would, because I would absolutely put it, like, on the same tier as, like, something like Percy Jackson, and Percy Jackson's probably, is definitely stronger, but, like, I, I would absolutely see, like, a kid reading Percy Jackson, finishing the book, and then still thirsting for more, finding this, and it just, like, hitting right in that same sweet spot. So it's weird that it didn't have that kind of success. So this is so. Let's uh, talk a bit about the uh, the animation and what I was kind of fixated on during this entire time. Because uh, credit where it is due, uh, uh, Brad Goodchild, who was the director of the series by I, I believe almost all the episodes, uh, mm-hmm. he does a great job with a lot of the action sequences. Uh, they they're well paced. They move really nicely and actually. Uh, well choreographed for what they are but like this has a major problem for me where it never feels everyone looks like they have face paralysis in that no one's face is really emotive or expressive yeah like their face enters one like they have their set emotion for this shot and then all of their dialogue is said with this emotion and then the next shot maybe that expression has changed but that is the expression for the shot with the with the exception of Neil, and like nothing else about the show, like really looks cheap. I mean, I, I guess like the like, like some of the colors are a bit uh, like I, I don't want to say pedestrian, but they're very kind of basic uh, color tones. But otherwise, like like again, it moves really nicely. It's just that one point 
uh, with the face animations, it looks very, it, it looks very kind of cheap and unfinished and it's distracting for me. Yeah, I definitely didn't find it as distracting. I did notice it. Um, but as we know, I have a much more, uh, I have much more experience with anime. And so I'm a lot more used to that. Like, the mouth is just going to move. We don't have time to animate blinks. Those are for cowards. Yeah, fair enough. But actually, it's it's nice that you mentioned anime because there is clear anime inspiration here with uh, a, a lot of the character designs and just its as I was saying, its approach to like colors. Yeah, I mean Archie has purple hair for literally no reason. My my boy Archie, I really like Archie's character design um, because I was at, like the second he appeared on screen, without even knowing well, like. I wasn't pay ten- paying attention to their names in the intro. Without knowing which of the kids this was, I knew he was a descendant of Achilles because he's got like this thick golden brace along his That's uh, so stupid. His his right ankle because like it's been it's like a, a family trait that is actually inherited is just having shitty heels. And I love that. Yeah, you just get these kind of not like like I was saying this this show teaches you next to nothing about greek mythology other than some names to drop here and there because with 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 archie and his bum uh his bum ankle there that's all you get it, like yeah. it just it's a quick throwaway joke of him wearing a a weird like wrestling brace on his leg and yeah. he just mentions it once and we just move on it it has been there because i went farther than than you obviously um he does lose it in like a fight at one point and just becomes instantly crippled. Like he just cannot move. Like it's the same as if his ankles just been snapped into. Yeah. Because famously with, with Achilles, that's his weak point. And yeah. So that's, again, that's, that's a, it's very surface approach to Greek mythology. It's using the dressing of it uh, to entice you, I guess, and to give it a, a look and a feel, but otherwise like it's, it's. I don't want to say it's not educational because that's not the point of the series. But you you get next to nothing, and I feel like most kids uh, want to know more about these Greek myths and these stories, and just transplanting it onto just these seven teenagers and occasionally dropping a reference is not enough. Like uh, there was also a, a cute background, not even a gag, just like a little thing. Is that when Hera first shows up, she has a peacock with her. And that is, like, famously a symbol of the goddess Hera. And, like, it doesn't show up ever again, but just when she's first introduced, it's like, ah, this is Hera. She's got a peacock. But, like, yeah, it's not terribly educational. This was, I mean, Percy Jackson was also very similar in that regard, where it's it's kind of surface level. And then it's the kids who really engage with this media who then go okay now i'm gonna fixate on this and learn everything i can about greek mythology and be really fucking annoying about it oh so you're again you're just outing yourself here that that, that was, was you that was also a cell phone I, well you gotta stop admitting to these things like because i like, will never like sometimes you can just bury things about your past <laughs> nope i have to be very open about what a terrible child i was no just do what i do and just push it deep down into yourself and just never touch it and think about it ever again. And nothing bad will happen about it years down the line. It'll never come back to haunt you. It can't like that. That never happens. 
It never keeps you up at night. I don't have a therapy bill. What are you talking about? Uh, okay, no, so that's what I have insurance for. Well, I don't. So go to hell. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so we got uh, the we, so we got the seven characters. I don't think we mentioned it yet, but you got Jay, descendant of Jason of the Argonauts. We He's got the Atlanta leader. Okay, Atlanta yes. is uh, descended from Atalanta, not Artemis, as they insist for all of season one. I did. We, keep weird bit of trivia there. Yeah. Weird bit of trivia there. I saw well, that. And... Yeah, because Artemis is an actual goddess. So I thought when I heard that, I was like, okay, that's weird. All these kids are descended from heroes. And then Atlanta is from an actual goddess. And no one brings up that that's weird. Uh, and also her name is like two letters off from an actual Greek hero, Atalanta. And also two letters off from Atlantis. So I'm going to assume she also has gills. Uh, tragically, no. She's just the Flash. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's her power. Uh, one Flash, gets leadership but also abilities. Bear grills. Yeah, one gets leadership abilities, and she gets uh, super speed and bear grills powers. That that doesn't seem fair at all. Yeah. Yeah. So then, moving down the line, you also got Harry, who is descendant from Hercules or Heracles. Then you got Archie, who is descendant of Achilles. We talked about him. We got Teresa. Descendant of Theseus. We got Odie, descendant of Odysseus. And my boy Neil! We got Neil, descendant of Narcissus. And what a cruel joke his existence is in this group. <laughs> his superpower is luck. He's just lucky. Luck and, luck and being good looking. <laughs> I love him. His nickname in the title scroll, when everyone gets like the brains, the fighter, the warrior, he gets the good, he gets the good looking. looking. <laughs> like he, he's the, he is the uh dedicated comic relief of the group and everyone just loves to rib the shit out of him but in exchange he never loses a coin toss exactly and he's also incredibly unintelligent so he never knows they're making fun of him he and he's also ex extremely vain so he's just well, usually yeah, absorbed in his own image i mean he's descendant from the little literal origin origin of narcissist Okay, could, like I get that was the point. Like we wanted a we wanted a jokey character on the team, but could they seriously not think of a seventh warrior or other than hot? I haven't read much about Greek mythology or the actual stories as told uh, by other writers of the time, but I feel like the six that they chose are quite well known uh, for their exploits and heroics. And it would not be hard to find, say, a seventh one who is also known for their heroics. Yeah, you could have easily gone with Orpheus and you would still have like kind of a jokey character where he's a bard. He's a bit of a ladies man. Uh, he's kind of a bit of an idiot because Orpheus like famously was told, just don't do this one thing. And then he did it. Um so you could have still had your good-looking guy, but he also would have been a musician. He would have been charismatic. He could, like, he was able to convince uh, the Karen, the the Underworld's boatman, to just, like, give me a ride in for free this one time. Don't worry about me being alive. And then, I don't know, name him Oliver. Boom. Done. Yeah, well, and what about uh, 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 Hector? That was one, right? <sighs> yes. He's like, uh, I'm just remembering the, the character from the uh, 
Tr- Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Troy movie. He's like the son of the King of Troy. Yes. The Trojan Prince. Ooh. Cause yeah, then you like, could have had like his, his deal being that cause he was famously like the failure. Wait, never mind. Cut that. I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I'm leaving this in. You you got on your goddamn high horse about being so knowledgeable about Greek mythology that every single mistake is now going to be put in and I'm going to be replaying it in the edit. I like the view from up here. Um, oh, okay, even better. Hector was killed by Achilles, so then you could have had like some inner party conflict. <laughs> well, where actually, he, that's where he another... And just fucking hate each other. I mean, that's another thing to bring up is that uh, because this is aimed at children, uh, Greek mythology is now incredibly sanitized, wherein like notorious monster uh, god Ares is just Archie's mentor. Yeah, and he's just kind of like broing around the the office. That's a, that's also just a bit of a weird thing. Is that like the the gods of Olymp, Olymp of Olympus are at this school where all of the all of our main cast is training to fight Cronus and they're just kind of like they're just mentors, teachers, hangers on. I mean that's kind of what the gods do anyway. Even in mythology, they're just kind of fucking around in Zeus's case literally. Yeah, cuz uh he he's the he's a janitor, isn't he? I don't know. I haven't No, he's in the first episode when they are dropped off at the school and he's the one that is that looks at them and they follow him into the school. Yeah, but I don't know that that's Zeus. Uh, he's got the he's got the long beard. I think that's Zeus. I don't know. I'll let you know. Oh, of course you're gonna keep watching this anyway. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a weird. I just can't get over the fact that the Greek gods decided to relocate to just a city in Canada. Like I know I know this show is playing to a Canadian audience and we love our self-references to our own cities and whatnot and things being canadian but, but at the same time it's like a real canadian city no it's new olympia which doesn't exist and I mean, if it was like greek town in toronto i'd get that but this is that would be fucking hilarious it'd be much better but this is uh the gods of greece specifically relocating to canada I'm going to hop back onto the Percy Jackson train and say that um, Riordan justifies that um, by saying that they move to wherever um, the center of power is. So in in those novels, the gods have relocated to the top of the Empire State Building. That's also very stupid. Yeah. (laughs) The center power for the gods is in New York City, baby. Yeah. Because that's where all the action is. Why, why can it be like, why can they make a joke out of that? It's like, fuck nowhere, Nebraska. Yeah, this is the center of mythological power. That's where like the, the, the gateway to Hades will open up is in some country bumpkin's cornfield. Where do you think all the hogs are coming from? I don't 30 know. to 50 feral hogs. Wow, that's a stale one. <laughs> You really want to <laughs> troll that one out? I do. I watch a lot of some more news and he keeps harping on the hogs. Like he has not stopped since that first came out. 
I think it's more it's that that's more of a uh, some more news joke than it was an ever joke of at all. Yeah, I think he just lays claim to that. And so it just but, it just yeah. constantly feels fresh to me. So yeah, as we were saying, this is a very necessarily sanitized version of Greek mythology. So a lot of the horrific details of gods being dicks to humankind is just going to be playfully danced around with nice little jipes and humor. Yeah, I mean, there is a Medusa episode and they are fully not going to even consider talking about her being raped by Zeus. Not even once. Zeus? No, Zeus wouldn't do that. He's a, he's a grumpy uh, janitor of I don't think Zeus Olympus is a High. janitor. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to that. Okay. You, you'll stick with that with that fan theory and then i'll tell you when you're wrong oh, don't call it a fan theory that makes me it makes it sound like i actually care enough to watch more of this show i mean it's a good show it it, it is quality and not to put it down too much but i like this is this is not for me i i feel like uh by the time this came out i was already into more like this i needed more out of like my action team up kind of things yeah, like we were only we were only like what one year out from getting Avatar. Our our uh, standards for for children's media were about to take such a spike. Yeah, but there's nothing particularly wrong with this series. No, so as we said, we watched the, we watched the special uh, that uh, the series premiere, uh, three episodes of Cronus escaping Tartarus prison and causing havoc in New Olympia for the growing team of i guess they don't even have a name just the seven heroes to deal with and come to accept their role in the prophecy and their ancestors and move on from there and i do love a really good like team building section of a show the the whole uh getting the band back together even though they were never together to begin with like it's a thing i love it's what I love. It's the parts of Sailor Moon that I love are when you don't have all the scouts and they're just slowly joining. It's the part of uh, Tokyo Mew Mew that I love for the same reason. These are all magical girl examples, but I love it. It's just so good that like slowly building up, knowing that these are as many, this is the team that we need and we got to get it. And then they do and they build a family and it's beautiful. And it takes time because it's a uh, it's three episodes, and the first one they introduce three members of the team. Second one, it's uh, three more, and then the uh, third episode, it's the piece de resistance, which is Neil. He's the last to oh, join boy. and make the team a whole. It's so good, and of course, because he's the last one to join, they have to do like the uh, the oh no, where Cronus uh, tries to. Um to lure him to the dark side first before the team can can really get him. And of course it's easy to do because Neil's a fucking dumbass. Mm-hmm. But but he doesn't because he has a good heart. And I feel like over because it's going to be a uh, it was very obvious from these first three episodes it's going to be a recurring storyline of these characters <laughs> brushing it up against their against this prophecy and their role as descendants of these heroes and how they measure up. But I feel like in these first three episodes, they're really accepting of the fact that not only are they descended from uh, these ancient Greek 
heroes and heroines, but also that Greek mythology is real. Yeah. Literally everything you read about in school about uh, griffins and cyclops and Medusa and the Greek gods, uh, not only is that all real, but you can literally just go to it because it's in urban Canada. Fully, fully real, fully accessible. One of my favorite uh, dumb jokes in the first episode, like it's so stupid that they chose to explain this, is that Jay knows so much about Greek mythology. And then I think it's Harry who goes like, oh, what are you, Greek or something? And he's like, no, my mom is. As if that's supposed to explain fucking anything. Like, oh, she's Greek, so she knows all of these, obviously. So she taught her son literally everything about myth Greek mythology. Yep, and who who's also unaware of this prophecy, by the way. Yeah, no, his mom doesn't know shit. And in fact, she thinks that Jay is a dumbass for caring about I don't know, the stars or anything. So we have like this weird clash of this woman who like both instilled Greek myths with the same fervor as like a hyper-Christian mom making sure her kid says his prayers before bed, but also sees her son getting an interest in astrology and is like, don't be stupid. Ignore the those fantasies. Yeah, and Building off of that, uh, and just these characters kind of blase reaction to their to, to their ancestors being as as important as they are, and their like their destiny being what it is. Three of the like the three main characters of the first episode get attacked by uh, like Greek Hades monsters, and nobody bats an eye at it. Is that even yeah. a double take? Like. Like Harry himself like, is like, oh man, guess we're heroes now. Time to start punching monsters. I'm almost positive that when Harry is confronted by the the two ogres or whatever they are, he was like, oh, you want some, huh? It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, Do you instantly. not see what those are? Why aren't you shitting your pants in fear and questioning if there is a god anymore? Uh, again, his grandmother, who is just a regular character, is very much the same. Because um, so his grandmother gets kidnapped by Cronus at one point because of course we gotta go the, uh, the Peter Parker route. And uh, the don't whole time, start, don't start talking about episodes that I'm not going I'm to watch. Sorry, but like the whole time she's just chilling with these ogres and like slapping their hands away and just being whatever they try to like bind her or anything, and she's like, "Shut the fuck up, I'm old." And it's like, "Ma'am, these are literal like." 10 foot tall giants what is going on so i want to say it's a family trait for harry well it, st it stands the reason that uh she's also a descendant from heracles that's true yeah the show does go with the roman pronunciation of hercules but just because that's the more popular one i guess and it, because it was easier to turn um uh harry's name yeah. into a into like a modern day equivalent because uh what was like hercules what is going to be herschel no hercules is what they go with heracles is the correct greek pronunciation yeah but they base the name on like harry as in heracles yeah but then they introduce hercules i don't know i don't care <laughs> we found your breaking point 
Nah, like just the more I think about it, like I I was originally okay with the idea of Class of the Titans before we started recording, and then the more I like stared down the barrel of where these episodes could go, what myths they could draw from. I mean, like God, that's gonna be so dumb, but in in a good way, in a good way. Like that's that's dumb in a way. If I was like seventeen, I would have loved uh, watching this while high. But now at the age I'm at, I am, it's like, ah, that's that's dumb, and I, it's a shame no new generations can experience how stupid it is. I'm I'm kind of sad that you've started to like this show less as this just as this has gone on. No, I, I'm not liking the show less. I'm appreciating it in a different light. Let's let's okay. let's put it that way. Um, yeah, but this isn't a great this isn't a great intro to this team. Like it takes its time, but at the same time, I was just saying, like, there's no kind of conflict in joining this and coming together and accepting their fates. The closest thing we get is that like Jay does the whole like, I'm the leader, but I don't have any superpowers. And then like within five minutes, he's back on board. And then episode two, the uh Archie is the one who's like, What? No, I don't belong here. You guys suck. And then five minutes later, he's like, nah, I guess I'll stick around. What the hey? I mean, like nearly every single one of them was uh, conscripted into this team after being attacked by an ancient Greek beast. I I think I will I I will do whatever the gods tell me to do at that point. Because like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's all it's all real. It's it. There's no there's no questioning it. Like I am the descendant of this person. Why? Yeah, sure. Go with it. Yeah, none of none of them seem terribly afraid. I think is a big thing. Like no one is having a crisis. Maybe that happens in a later episode where one like completely breaks down trying to figure out like tr- trying to come to terms with being of such uh faded stock as a descendant of a Greek hero of myth. But Maybe. in this one in, in this like premiere episode which sets the whole series up, it's they, they just go with it. Just go with the flow. Like, you're going to fight this giant thing with snake legs. Just go with it. You're fighting a literal god of time. You are prophet. The prophecy thing is the one that kills me, too, because they are just constantly like, but the prophecy says, like, no one really questions the prophecy. Like, there's there's never a time where they're like, but how do we know that, like, that any of that's true? Like, we are literal teenagers. You are gods. Why aren't you doing anything yourselves? How did you let this Titan escape Tartarus? Why is it up to seven teenagers to stop it? To, fi- to fix your to mess? To fix your fuck up. That also seems very Greek mythology. Just like the gods oh, yeah, true. do whatever the fuck they want. And then the mortals are like, I guess we'll clean this up now. They, they pass the buck onto the mortals all the time. And yeah. y- usually the buck is very violent and non-consensual. Well... But yeah, like they... They just, again, they are very accepting of this prophecy, and they even meet the oracle who foretold it, who is just a homeless man. I mean, he's just, he feels like an homage to the oracle from the Matrix trilogy. Or the, you know, oracle of Greek myth, but yes. No, but, well, I mean, the Matrix also has a lot of (laughs) Greek inspiration, but, like, specifically that kind of depiction of the oracle as just, like, this old person who's just bumming around the city. Just vibing. And staring at you with his glowing eyes. Yeah. Like, in in mythology, the oracle is normally some someone that you have to seek out, like, on a mountaintop or something. 
they're never just there. But that, but remember, this is New Olympia, and that is Mount Olympus, but in urban Canada form. Yes, <laughs> as it should be. So, of course, Oracle will just be walking the streets of New Olympia, which is sure a city which has a population of probably a, a million people or something, it, based on what we see of it. But also, remember, the gods are there, and Cronus yeah. uh, is somewhere there, too, and it, they are just doing their evil deeds. But I feel like reaching the oracle should have been like okay kids time to take a hike up mount logan go find the oracle <laughs> so in this in this first episode uh they face off again what was the name of the snake-legged thing like Cronus escapes his uh tartarus prison and he gets the he, he gets the assistance of a titan to help destroy the uh, uh, destroy the team before it can fully form because the prophecy says seven teenagers, descendants of heroes, will stop Cronus after he escapes. Uh, Ty- Typhus, I think? Yes, Typhus. Yeah. I can't read. So it's that. That's the first episode. And in the second episode, Cronus has a, like, Dr. Evil-esque laser. Yeah. Yeah. And this is when, this is when I realized, like, Man, this show is pretty fucking stupid. Like, because you're you're trying to take Greek mythology and put it into the modern world, and you realize, like, yeah, why wouldn't uh, why wouldn't the son of Uranus want a laser to shoot into the sky and fuck it? Yeah, yeah. They Cronus <laughs> has a lot of like potential as a villain, but they really don't flex it as much as I think they could. Well, I, this is where I'm kind of like wondering. Not, not, I'm not interested enough to see what actually where it goes. But I'm wondering because, like, the whole idea is that this this team of seven will stop Cronus. But there are 52 episodes of the series, so I'm gonna watch them all. How, like, how long does it take to stop him? Because because he lives in New Olympia, you you, you yeah. can just go find him. Yeah, I don't know if there's ever gonna be like an episode where. They're like, huh, maybe we can get the jump on him instead of just reacting to whatever he throws at us next. But we will see. I don't know, maybe like the last couple of episodes take a God of War-esque turn and it's the team of seven realize the gods. They they realize that together they are not only pow- more powerful than Cronus, but the gods themselves. And Amazing. they ransack New Olympia and destroy the modern day equivalent of Mount Olympus. Oh fuck, did I just do did I just do fan fiction? <laughs> yeah, you gotta stop doing that. <laughs> you gotta stop accidentally writing fan fiction over the course of these episodes. I mean, you get in, you get into your nostalgia like mode, and you just start saying like, "Man, what if it happened this way? Wouldn't that be cool?" Yeah. You just gotta slap yourself in the face, like, "No, that wouldn't." <laughs> I mean, you don't know it wouldn't be. Oh, I know. I don't think you know. Can I just say one of the things that bugs me is the the special, like the first three episodes, have a great title. Like Chaos 101 is a solid title because like it it does that thing of like blending the fact that this is school, but also fucking gods, fucking mythology. And Chaos right. is like important to Greek mythology, right? He was like yeah. a progenitor to Gaia. Yeah. So like that would have been an absolutely acceptable titling episode titling um 
thing moving forward. Like, similar to what Community did, where every episode is named, is, like, a joke version of, like, a, a college class that you could sign up for. But they just immediately drop it after Chaos 101. Everything, and they just default to the, every title is a one-letter-off reference to something else like we got mazed and confused little box of horrors um gray's anatomy but spelt g-r-a-e-s is the fucking word yeah. cronus's flying circus is that a monty python reference yes yes it is okay uh oh maybe because uh moving forward they realize like even the title class of the titans doesn't make sense because they're not attending class these this, this group of seven are effectively dropouts they do uh later they are portrayed as attending the high school like um teresa as the and... only students no there are other students they're just the only ones who have backdoor access to the gods it's like uh teresa and atlanta are on the school's um field hockey team because the show is made in Canada so of course they have a field hockey team mm -hmm. but yeah they do attend school they're just like they moonlight as superheroes and so like no, none of the other attendants at this uh, what is it Olympia High School like n none of them are questioning why there's a lot of strangely off-putting and weirdly plays Greek decor in, in their high school no, not really. It's like, hey, hey, have you ever noticed that we are the only high school in all of Canada that has columns? <laughs> well, the high school itself is pretty normal from what I recall. And then it's just by having a medallion to go through the janitor's closet, that's how you get to the, the god section. Oh, yeah, that's that's another really fucking stupid thing that makes me feel like this whole uh, three-part premiere was a bit rushed, is that they don't say where these medallions come from. They literally said, like, yeah, I found it yesterday. Yeah, we never see Jay just finding it. And, like, as he's our point of view character for episode one, it's like, you, you think he could have just given us, like, three seconds of him just looking down from his telescope and going, huh, what's this? Like, anything. Because they they get to the school and it's like, it's like, oh, hey, this might fit in there. Where'd you get that? I don't remember. Yeah. But you that, have one? I have one, too. Acceptable. Just like, ah, oh, shit, this is weird. I mean, not, not to become one of those people that's just like, I need ev literally everything in an origin story to explain or else I'm going to be really mad on the internet. No, but it is just really funny that they're just like, oh, fuck it. Who needs to know where this came from? Like, I'm, I'm assuming those medallions are important. I don't know. But they haven't they haven't come up, come up again since. Maybe they will be. <sighs> Whatever. So that's a, the basic premise of Class of the Titans and... Despite my, how negative my co-host thinks I'm sounding right now, I think it's a perfectly fine show that is absolutely responding to a cultural need at the time to immerse, our, immerse ourselves back into Greek mythology. Yeah, we were just really, really fucking horny for it for like at least a decade there. Yeah, and... I, I don't know, maybe maybe there's something with the, the idea in like the cynicism of the mid-2000s that we there were no new myths, so they returned to a very primitive form of storytelling and just updated, updated it to a modern audience. I don't know. 9-11 uh, caused the spike in 
desires for Greek mythology. There we go. Okay, I, I'll allow you. I will allow you to say that. But I'm now going to need you to explain how. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, because it was the first time uh, that Amer- the, the American myth of it being this impervious, unshakable country was broken. And so in fear, American writers uh, went back to a myth that they, that was like so so not something that they believed in wholly that they couldn't be hurt by it not being real so they could believe in it. Yes, uh, Greek mythology. When they wanted to escape the unending wars that were happening in, they, in the 2000s. Different unending wars. Yes, they, they recalled Greek mythology, which famously had very short conflicts. Yeah, but they were unending wars where like the heroes always triumphed. So then they could believe that they were the heroes again. I don't think that's true. Why? Why are you running with this theory that you because just came you up on the spot? Because you told me to. You could have said like, "No, I'm not explaining that because that's stupid and it doesn't make sense." I'm. I'm not fucking uh, David Lynch. I can't. I can't just say no. I will not elaborate on that. I'm a film studies student. My degree is built upon my ability to bullshit. Well, you're not showing it right now because that was a terrible know. explanation. I don't know. I think I nailed it. I think that was a solid, like, if I wrote that the day before it was due, that's a solid B paper. God, our education system is fucked. Anyway. <laughs> the people will agree with me. Anything left to say on Class of the Titans? I don't know. I haven't finished it yet. Are you actually going to watch the rest of the series? Are you, are you that invested? I am very invested. Okay, well, moving forward, you can't do this with every show. I, I just hope you know, because, like, if next week we start talking about, like, some YTV nothing series from, like, 2009, I don't want to hear, like, Clash of the Titans references coming out of your mouth. Well, you won't hear Clash of the Titans, but you might hear Class of the Titans references. It was going to happen eventually. Yeah. I was going to fuck that title up eventually. <laughs> But it, I promise. If you point to like the main character of a of a YTV of a YTV series and say like he's giving off Archie vibes, you know, I'm gonna like I'm gonna just shut the show down. That's not okay. a threat. That's a promise. <laughs> okay. Well, what if I reference uh, other shows in reference to this? How like Archie is also voiced by Sam Vincent, who plays uh, my boy Merton Mystery, and it's very distracting. Yeah, th- uh, we didn't actually talk about that, but this is a star-studded Canadian voice acting cast. Yeah, we got our girl Tabitha St. Germain, we got Sam Vincent, we got Kirby Morrow, the whole gang is here. F- fucking Bruce Greenwood is apparently Chiron in season one. Yeah. That's fucking insane. <laughs> I think they really thought this show would be a lot more successful than it was. They they put a lot of chips on this. They threw a lot of money at the voice cast. Yeah. Wasn't Sam Minson also in Galaxy High? Yes. Team Galaxy, rather? Yeah. I knew what you meant. Um, also, Ty Olsen, who plays Harry, is um, he's one of Ian's older brothers in being Ian. And yeah, Kyle, th- that name is... 
Yeah. And again, like, he uses a lot of the same uh, inflections that he does as Kyle, and it's just like, oh, hey, what show am I watching? <laughs> and uh, what's his, uh, the guy who plays Cronus, David Kay, uh, he's the voice of Clank in Ratchet and Clank, and that was very distracting for me. <laughs> Which I have never seen that. That's a great game series, but, like, uh, he does not sound as menacing as he does here. Disappointing. Meh, what can you do? It's a, it's a good performance. Good villain. Oh, yeah, I, I guess uh, we didn't say that during the actual episode, but all the voices are well done. Like, everyone seems really episode, well cast. We haven't ended. I mean, we're getting up at that hour mark, so that's what I'm trying to move towards. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is the two-hour special. Why would it be longer? I have so much to say about Class of the Titans. Why would it be longer than the special (laughs) itself? The special is like 60 minutes flat. It's 90 minutes. With ads. (sighs) I, I, I can be restrained, but you're not drawing this to a close. So anything left to say on Class of the Titans? No, I think I'm good. All right, you can continue uh, your internal monologue of Class of the Titans in your private time. But for our listeners, I think it'd be a good idea to cap it off here. I think we are both walking away positively. I think it's a very fine show. And now, Sylvia, it's her favorite show of all time. I'm, I'm definitely a worse person for having let this into my life again. And if that's not a a glowing endorsement, I don't know what is. (laughs) Exactly. And lucky listener, if you actually want to check out the show, you're in luck because the good people at, uh, was it Retro Rerun? Yeah. Yeah, they have all the episodes up on YouTube. So binge to your heart's content. Binge to your heart's content. That's what I'm gonna do. So that's going to do it this week for Cartoon Night in Canada. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you could, uh, please leave us a nice rating on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, Check us out on Twitter at Cartoon Night Pod. You can find me on Twitter at Cinema Creep. And you can find me on Twitter or the TikToks uh, at Sylvie Skeletons. Take care, everybody. Bye. I've managed to keep Hitalia out of this show. You don't think I can restrain myself for Class of the Titans? I don't know anymore. <laughs>